Dietrich Davis, Mark Morrell, the glorious episode number six, number sixty. I'm pretty proud we made it here. We didn't celebrate fifty. Nah, we, we don't didn't. need to. We'll celebrate one hundred, which we're gonna get to eventually. So we're at sixty strong right now. Right. Um. Yeah, there's only one song that will justify this. The remix version. What song is that? Rare undefeated remix. Only been used twice in 20, 30 years. Live performance in Deadpool trailer. Deadpool 2. I stay with the old school shit. Good old fashioned music for you. That took me back some time. And that was one of my favorite LL joints right yeah. there. No question. That particular track <clears throat> is um very disgustingly uh, hidden. Most people have to transfer that one from vinyl. Mm. Old school. Allegedly, that's the original before they remixed it to what they got. And then okay. they came back. But we'll, we'll leave it for there. All right. Um, We need to talk about something. Well, we're, we're going to talk about the next episode, episode which will be labeled episode because Bruiser Brody was number two. Mm-hmm. First episode was the Macho Man one, which we'll cover at another day. Right. But this particular episode from Vice was the Bret Hart. Um, Montreal Screwjob. Right, which in reality, it's the Cornet secrecy. Mm-hmm. Um. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this documentary because this shit has been told over and over and over again by, and it has everybody. To do, by everybody. And But there's just a lot of things. And Cornette has said a lot of this stuff before, but it has now officially been, you know, factored in. Mm-hmm. So this particular thing was done by Vice, same producer, same guys of the Macho Man stuff and the... Uh, Bruiser Brody. The Bruiser Brody. This is the Dark Side of the Ring, episode number three, the Montreal Screwjob, and this is about Brett and Sean not wanting to put each other over in Canada, which is so crazy because when you do the research, Brett was still signed to December with the WWE, so he could have dropped the belt at the next pay-per-view, mm-hmm. and they could have let it go, but somehow they were stressing this. Some people say it's a work. Some people say it isn't. I think Scott Hall's a fucking idiot for once, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> tell because me something I don't know. <laughs> what's the one thing that he's wrong about with the footage? 
and I have that VHS still recorded from TV. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's the one? You remember he, he's saying a lot, but you want to know what he's wrong about? Okay, tell, tell, no, tell do, us. Can you take a good guess? Oh, it sure as hell wasn't the finish. Mm, yeah, kind of everything that took place after the finish. Do you know what was unique? The fact that they used the footage from um, Wrestling with Shadows. No, they no. Uh, let me go. No, 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 no. Remember when he spits on Vince and he's talking about why would they catch that shot? Why would they show him right in WCW? Mm-hmm. You know something funny? That never aired. Right. Right. Shut the fuck up, Mister Scott Hall. That never aired. I still have that recorded off of TV. I refuse to throw it away. So that all that WCW shit and the spitting, that took place when they said, when Vince did the Brett screw Brett thing the next night on Raw. Mm-hmm. And you didn't get the WCW footage to almost a year later. When he wrote WCW backwards mm-hmm. on the hard cam. So at that moment, all cameras are still rolling. Of course, they would have the spit. Of course, they would have this. Of course, they would have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Scott Hall should know they never aired that live. Exactly. Ever. And there's a lot of that's the one thing that people leave out. So we're gonna de- let's debunk that this was a work. Though still parts of me want to say it's a work. In reality, we have a wrestler who is not honoring the time honored tradition of dropping the title. Hogan dropped the title when he was leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, many men have dropped that belt when they were leaving. Right. Andre has dropped that belt when he was physically on his way out. Yep. A lot of people have left that belt on the floor. Shawn Michaels respectfully always left the belt when he left, except for the IC championship, and he was still on the contract. The losing my smile bullshit, whatever it is. Right. I say all that to say, and I'm going to start with this. I'm going to ask you. Do you think Vince was right for doing what he did? It turned the company around. Fuck turning the company around. Yeah, he did. He had to. In my personal opinion, I believe he had to. His intellectual property, and this is the first time that I'm using this word, was probably going to go down to the competition. I don't think Brett would have done that. But what I do think is that Bischoff would have attempted it. But he was already being sued for the Medusa situation, so I don't think he would have did it twice. Right. But he could have said the words, ladies and gentlemen, your current WWE champion. But he could have never done it because Brett still had 30 more days on his contract. Mm-hmm. He was leaving in December. The match was in, when, when was that Survivor Series? November 7th. Was that the that particular Survivor 1997? Series? Seven. Because Survivor Series is always in November. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, why is it taking me so long to spell Survivor Series? Here we go. So I want to get the exact date. Oh, no one I put 1917, 1997. So as I'm pulling this up, this is one of those events that no fan knew what was going to happen and they couldn't get the title off of Brett. Mm-hmm. And Cornette, what's his name, says um, that he created it. Jim, Not Jim Cornette. What's this guy's name? Vince Russo. 
says that he created it. November 9th, 1997. Vince Russo was the Survivor Series, the Montreal Scrooge. Vince Russo says that he created it. Vince Russo couldn't... Uh, doesn't know whether to shit or wind his watch when it comes to the business of professional wrestling mm-hmm. and everything that he did was filtered through Vince McMahon. Let's be fucking honest on that. Um, They are having trouble moving this belt off of Vince and it is simply said, screw it. And the one thing, Jim Cornette has said that he came up with this before, but it's now being truly highlighted. And Vince challenges him. Well, t- Well, basically tell me how to do this. And he comes up with the, uh, another Canadian, uh, Canadian screw job of in nineteen thirty one when they couldn't get the title off a guy. Mm-hmm. Someone bit him. They went to back to the ring. They said, "Hey, he bit me," and they was able to get the title off. They was gonna, they screwed the guy out the title. Right now, this was um actually November 9th, nineteen ninety seven. That's what I said. November 9th, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I mean, I said seven. So. Yeah, you said November seventh. Yeah, that's why I said November 9th, ninety seven. I said it really fast. Sorry about that. Um. So the events took place. Brett allows himself agree. He takes his camera. He's filming uh, wrestling with shadows at the same time, which is ironically a big uh, VHS that was sold at the time. Mm-hmm. He takes. He goes into the room, mic'd up. Vince promises them everything in the world, but then screws him. You know, and Cornette didn't know this was going to happen. So when it's happening. He's shocked because he can't believe that they're actually using his what you call it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know. He was scared to show up to work the next day because he didn't know how people were going to respond to him or even knew that he came up with the Montreal screw job. Right. All the boy, Vince had to do that to save his company just in case Eric Bischoff pulled something. Mm-hmm. It would have took nothing for Bischoff to get one of those belts made privately. And say and say, ladies and award. Imagine awarding him with a WWE championship. Since you never lost it, you might as well keep it. Right. You get what I'm saying? Well, if I was Bischoff, that's what I would have done. I would have got one made in secret and handed it to Brett when he came out. Um, Brett signed a two million dollar, two point five million dollar deal for twelve years. That is no money. That is not even, that's like a hundred and something thousand dollars a year plus. Okay. For twelve years, for twenty year deal. Yeah, for his stay in the WWE. Right. That's like fifty something thousand a year. Sixty something thousand a year. Mm-hmm. That ain't shit. I mean, you can live off of two million dollars right. if you only spend fifty grand a year. Right. But that ain't a lot in today's world. Brett no. would have been broke still working for Vince with no renegotiations in sight. Mm-hmm. Now I say all this. I'm being very long-winded with this on purpose because we can beat this to death. Cornette, genuinely, I believe, came up with the screw job. Yeah, and parts of it can point at work, but in reality, if this was a work, that means Bischoff would have to be in it. Brett would have to be in it. You cannot orchestrate this type of response from the fans. You can never control what is and what's happening, and. This wasn't to get Stone Cold over. This was just to make sure Eric Bischoff does not violate his company anymore mm-hmm. when they're losing at this moment. Where were you? Was you watching this pay-per-view live? I was over at um, 
Chris's house watching the paper in Williamsburg. Yes. What was you and Chris? How many people was over there? Oh, it was like a bunch of us, man. It was it was like him, Ruben, everyone, me, this, Ruben, that, Alan, Mike, Marty, Moses. Um, the, the, the basically the gamut. The the whole AIWA roster was over at Chris's house watching the Survivor Series. And even though I don't like to mention dead indie promotions, that was just a group of promotion that a lot of guys was a part of at right. the time. So let me ask you a question, because it's for wrestling fans is where you was at on nine eleven. And where you was at when this fell? Exactly. When this when this went down? Williamsburg, Brooklyn. That's what was you guys' man. reaction when y'all saw this? Oh shit! Mm-hmm. That's basically it. Oh shit! Like um, KMD on a uh, third base's gas face. Gas face. Oh shit! That's exactly what it was. Right. So there was only two websites that talked about wrestling at the time, and it wasn't even the Observer yet. No. It was, uh, if I'm correct, Wrestlers Digest legit had a website. Mm-hmm. And it was talk about Bret Hart going to WCW. Now, I think Bret Hart is a very boring wrestler. And I only say that because he um, he's a great wrestler. He's a great talent. But we never saw an evolution of him as he was the older man champion. You know how we got... The Rock and his moveset evolved. We got Goldberg and his moveset evolved. And we got Undertaker and his moveset evolved. And Brett always did arm drag, German suplex, chest bump, back bump. Vertical suplex, snap suplex. Yeah, all of that. It was it was it was denying moves that he never he never added new moves and took out some. So to me, Brett gave you the same old shit every night. The and only this, thing that he added was the figure four on the on the post. Yeah, and that started in what what ninety five. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So in reality, he didn't evolve. It's like listening to a music band and their music is great, but you're like, ah, I'm not feeling this new album. Maybe because these niggas didn't evolve as an artist. So mm-hmm. I'm never gonna say Brett is the best there is and the best there was. Is Brett one of the rest of a time period? Yes. Has wrestling passed Brett by in the ring? Yes. Is Brett well, is Brett in my top ten? No. He's probably in my top one hundred. Because there is no evolution in skill. And and a true performer will evolutionize in skill across the board. Mm-hmm. And Brett never changed his look. He never Shawn Michaels has changed his look. Shawn Michaels has evolutionized. Shawn Michaels got better as he got older because he finited what he knew and he added what he could. Right. And Brett never did any of that. It was always the same old bullshit and Brett's matches became predictable. So the same thing he thing that he claims he's about, he's a victim of. Well, he accuses that of Flair. Hogan, Triple H, Triple everybody, H. and he's just as bad as the rest of them. Though his might have looked pretty decent and pretty and sharp at what he did, the reality of the situation is Brett ended up becoming the one-trick pony that he complained about. And this is my personal opinion, but I'm looking at facts of his arsenal and skill set. Steve Austin would have evolutionized even further if he didn't break his fucking neck. Mm-hmm. Last time we get an after between the neck break, the last match we get out of Steve Austin is the one where he wrestles Chris Benoit on SmackDown. Exactly. Right. Where he out wrestled Benoit. And Steve Austin said that took a lot out of him. But he, you know, he was gonna give Benoit that match. Mm-hmm. So going back, they're sitting around the pool and they're trying to figure out a way to get this fucking belt off of right. Brett. And they're saying, Well, why don't we just take the belt off of him? Well, how do we do it? And he comes up with the screw job and 
I'm I'm sorry to say, I think what's his name is a bold face fucking lie. Um, Russo. Yeah. There is no way that you came up with that. There is no way that you even thought about that. Vince Russo didn't know wrestling history. Right. And he was just a guy who loved the product and was writing for the magazine, and he got an opportunity because he was sucking the proverbial psychological dick of Vince, and he got moved in at the right place at the right time. Three other people know the history of this, of professional wrestling, and those three other guys was inside that room. Right. Pat Patterson, who was a great Finnish guy. Vince McMahon, who grew up around the shit. Right. You know what I mean, and worked around it in his later years, in mm-hmm. his early in his early twenties, and then of course Jim Cornette. Now the only people, and this is on record, that was in the room for this particular conversation, it was just Vince, Cornette, and Russo. Mm-hmm. So there's only three men in this conversation, and they said when Vince goes to the bathroom, they don't know what to say to each other. They're making bullshit small talk, this that and the other, yada yada yada. And they're trying to figure out a way to move and get this belt off of Vince and get it off of Brett and figure out what to do and blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And Vince Russo being a wrestling dictionary and bought the same book that I ended up getting as a kid that I still have. Wrong one, Cornette. Um, What happened? Well, it doesn't matter. Everyone knows who we're talking about. Um, Cornette was just recently going over a book that was written in 97, 1991, that finally got reprinted in 1997 that I do have a hard physical copy of. I'll take a picture for it and put it on Instagram for people called Fall Guys, where they talk about all of these great screw jobs and falls and this, that, and the other. And it takes a wrestling historian to reference something to create it. So in some places they say, Brett said, Put me in a sharpshooter and I'll reverse it. Mm-hmm. In some places they say, when you get them in, do this, that, and the other. So whatever it was, they didn't even know that they was going to approve any of this. Right. And they approve it. And that shit surprised the hell out of Cornette that they did that. Right. So Cornette gets out of the building. Brett goes to take a shower. Vince goes into the office because Vince knows he's got to take a punch. He goes, I punched him and he came off the ground. Let's keep it real. Vince sold half the punch for you. Mm-hmm. You're not the superhero you think you are. Vince punched you. He threw himself back. He made you feel good about yourself. He says, Shawn Michaels is there crying. Shawn Michaels is fucking acting because he says he knew Shawn I was going to give it to him too. And he loves talking about how he's going to beat these dudes' asses. Shawn, you wasn't going to beat no one's ass. Everyone sold for you just to get you to fuck out the building. Mm-hmm. If anything, he was the greatest mark of all time in that company. And if anything, you're the greatest sucker because everybody performed to you. And when you watch Wrestling with Shadows, you know who did more standing up for him? His fucking wife. Yelling at Hunter. Yelling mm-hmm. at this. Now, there's another story that's saying that Hunter came up with the idea. Right. I think Hunter might have said, fuck it. If you don't do business, we'll do business for you. And, and, that's, and that's I think the, it leads to... Yeah, that's on the, uh, the Heartbreak and Triumph DVD. Right. And then... I think it leads to them saying, "How do we get this belt off of him?" Because mm-hmm, that's that's been the talk for the last that was that was the talk for the last month, month and a half. Well, they actually said it was three months, mm-hmm. so you knew he was leaving for three fucking months. Mm-hmm. You could have took this belt off of him any time before, right? But Vince, I think, likes the bullshit, and I think Vince Hulk Hogan can't become the hoaxer with someone letting him to be with the original hoaxer not letting him be. Exactly. And I think that was what we got. 
You know what I'm saying? Um, so this happens. I'm sitting at home, and I go, yes, get that fucking belt off of him. I know you would. <laughs> and, and I wish it was video. My boy Nelson was there. We was watching it. And I was like, yeah, fuck Brett. Get his old ass out of here. He could barely fucking walk to the ring. He's always in crutches. He's always in this. But I'm, I'm one of those people I believe in ever since I was a kid as being a creative and a writer and an artist. You got to, and as I was indoctrinated, you got to evolutionize your skill sets. Yes. I agree. You know, but I mean, was he a great wrestler? Yeah, but was he? Uh, but he's he can't have that great match today. To me, he was at that time because mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a Bret Hart fan. I'm a I'm a student of Bret. Mm-hmm. I'm a student of of the Hart family dojo. I'm a student. Well, let's of not say that because someone will say, "Did you ever go there?" No, and they will I've be. I've never been there. But, but I mean, you, you, but I, when I say that, I encompass talking about Davy, all the all the guys that came out of there: Davy, Owen, Jim Nyhart. Freaking junkyard dog, bad news, Allen, all these mm-hmm. other guys, uh, right? Kinichi Yamada and all these other folks. So you, but, you're 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 a history lover, right? Of it, because you know people say Stu, and then the next minute it's like, did this nigga go study at the dungeon? Question: Is that dungeon even still open? Does Brett even consider training? No, the house is not even open. But I do believe that Bruce and um, some of the other brothers still run uh, the Stampede some type promotion. of dungeon, right? Yeah, they run the Stampede from Heart 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 Brothers Wrestling. That's what it's called. Okay. So, but they're not using the house because the house is sold, right. and the house is actually a national landmark now. Okay, because obviously it's over a hundred years old and right. shit like that. So, long story short, um, Brett gets screwed. He immediately knew what went down. Sean is a great performer. Mm-hmm. This, that, and the other. He spits on him. He does this. Was Chris? Are you guys upset when this happened? It was like. Ah. Like it was a lot of mixed emotions, right? It was very mixed. What was the conversation after the pay per view went off to the air? Because here's a, it's a moment where people again are not realizing. I, I mean, to me, it's like, yo, is is this shit real? Does this shit really fucking happen? Like, did the promoter actually just fucking snag the belt off this guy? As he you know should. what I mean? Like, did this, is this shit real? Did you think happening? Vince was wrong back in the day? And how long did you think Vince was wrong for? In your honest opinion, I would say about a day, and then after I, after what was going on, then I started to realize, well, yeah, there's a shift in the business going on, mm-hmm. and that with that. So you're change, really just saying one day, and you was cool with it as a Bret Hart fan, the way Bre- you guys as a, were. As a Bret Hart fan, yes, I can pretty much say I was cool with the fact that hey, well, you know what? They took the belt off him. He's going to WCW. All right, let's see what he's going to do down there. Did you think it was real or work? At first, I was like, I I couldn't even tell you. Right, because in in my mind, I'm like for that, just seeing it for those few minutes, I'm like, yo, what the fuck just went on? You know what my boy said to me? I didn't remember this till I told after he saw this. He goes, Dietrich, I remember you was in the house, and he was like, good. Instead of his career dying in the WWE, it'll go die in WCW. <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, I was I'm very hard on on professional wrestling because I'm the first person to say you can't take yourself too serious. Right. And a lot of guys on the indie scenes and in the wrestling business, they take themselves so serious that, that they don't know how to get over. Even Austin is a victim of taking himself serious in the end. And then he had to learn how to let go, which allowed him to let go of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Brett, it, it, the story is really not about Bret Hart, as we were talking. The story is really about Jim Cornette. And it's about Jim Cornette orchestrating the finish. Well, not even orchestrating unconsciously 
the greatest angle in wrestling history and then creating the greatest villain in wrestling history by mm-hmm. def- default, Mr. McMahon. And it takes someone like Vince, who's a businessman, to say, we're going to turn this character into something real. So I can see what people saying if it's a work. And if it's a work, then they're working everybody to this day. Mm-hmm. Because you can look in Brett's face and he can always like, yeah, I know. I mean, you can you can see that in the Greatest Rivalries DVD with him and Sean. Mm-hmm. As they're sitting there, in the, as they're sitting there in the studio, and I believe um, Jim Ross is the host, and they were asking all these elaborate questions, and Brett was breaking down how, yes, I did all these things so that me and Sean can generate return matches so that we can make money. That's the that's another key thing right. about the sport or about sports entertainment and pro wrestling the more that you can carry something on and to create sagas people are going to come back to see it but we was also entering a cycle where the wrestling match was going the wrestling feuds were getting shorter and shorter right it was getting to the point where you couldn't get a year out of it and Mm -hmm. brett wasn't understanding that right and i think the business was changing the reason why he failed in wcw is wasn't that wcw didn't know what to do with brett Vince, in the end, didn't know what to do with Brett as well. And then he realized, shit, I'm paying him this much money. Right. I'm fucking stuck. So in reality, the the business was passing Brett by because Stone Cold was showing up. And you know, Stone Cold was so successful because he was shutting the... He was he was surpassing the hearts, not because he was a greater superstar, was because he was on the pulse of what was happening now. Mm-hmm. And the beating up your boss and hating these foreigners and middle fingers and attitudes, the music, the this, yeah. and this, that, and the other. And Brett still believed in superheroes. Good guys and bad guys, heels and villains. That shit would work today because of comic book films and superhero films. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it doesn't going to work. Ricochet works today because he comes off as a acrobatic superhero. Right. He's like a real life Spider-Man yep. and, and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So when you sit back and you look at these little things, you tend to realize cuz this is about to go dead. You tend to um you tend to realize to see it for what it is. For what it is, and I think Brett is a victim of not realizing it, but Jim Cornette living in hard reality had to figure out a way to move this old guy out the way so we can at least save the... Think about it. What if Bischoff got a replica belt made and handed it to Brett on WCW TV? It's possible. It could have happened. Now, if my dirty ass thought about that... You would have done it. I would have I'd got a belt made. I mean, shit. And I'd have handed it to him and told him to walk... And you know what? I would have I never put the WWE logo on it. Just... I would have put the WCW logo on it and let him walk around with it. Mm-hmm. And call, and call himself the real world champion. Yeah, but they already got that payback with the Medusa stuff. Right. But see, that belt was never a WCW belt. That was Crockett property, and one man didn't get his twenty thousand dollars. Send me my check. I see you your belt. Exactly, and that was only due. And the belt was never branded WCW or anything. So it's a world World heavyweight champion. champion. Right. Um. So anyhow, moving forward, I thought Brett was unrealistic for a very long fucking time. And that's not fair. And that's not right. And you, more than anyone knows, when you leave the territory, you drop the belt. Exactly, yeah. And you was leaving the WWE Corporation. You was you was leaving Titan Sports. And you should have been moving on to 
WCW. You, as you move on to Turner Sports right. and Turner Entertainment, you should have dropped the belt. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think no matter what, Bret Hart was going to fail in the end because the business was passing him by. But the, like we're going back to the original thing as we close this episode off, Jim Cornette is really, he is the Montreal screw job. Yeah. And he's tread around it for years and he has to admit it. This wasn't Brett screws. This was Brett screws Brett. This was Vince not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. But this is this is the greatest orchestration of Jim Cornette. Cornette the- baked the cake, put the kibosh on the cake, then added the frosting on the cake. What's and a kibosh? Ah, uh, oh, you made it up. I'm gonna say, what, a kibosh is a is a word. I just I just right, felt, I'm gonna say it kibosh. Felt good, it felt good to use. You know, it felt good to be used at this particular point. Right. Okay. Okay. Discussion. I got you. So you know, we look at this and Cornette. You know, he's laughing at it, and then I get his anger. He's sitting across from this fucking moron who's taking credit for something that he had no input in doing. Input in doing, and that's what I like that he said that I'll piss on his fucking grave. And this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, yeah, yeah. Those things, um, I didn't mean to yawn on the mic, but those things are very unique. And I think it comes down to Cornette created probably one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. And the wrestling boom, we don't get the exact wrestling boom if it wasn't for Cornette. Cornette right. And Cornette probably single handedly saved the jobs of 500 plus people that worked for World Wrestling Entertainment. You know what I think, too? If you look even back, if you look back at the um, rants that Cornette was doing on WWE television, mm-hmm. he basically, in many ways, in my opinion, was giving the idea that, yes, I'm frustrated with the bullshit going on here in the WWF. I'm frustrated with the shit in ECW. I'm frustrated with the shit in WCW. I'm frustrated with the fucking product of professional wrestling or what they call professional wrestling up here nowadays today. Right. Because he comes from that traditional old school style. A dead era, yeah. He comes from, yeah, the lost era. He comes from the lost era. No, not lost, it's dead. Well, the dead era. Because we got to remember, it's it's, it's now golden age. Right. So- And silver age. So now he's at the the pike when he came into the business, Mm -hmm. right? You gotta remember when. Hold you- on, he wasn't mad at the business then. He was burnt out. He was burnt. He wasn't out. disagreeing with the business. He was just burnt out. But he disagrees he- with the business right. today. Now, when he came into the business, the business he learned from the Jarretts. Mm-hmm. He learned from Watts. All the old guys. And he learned from Crockett, and even even Ganya to a certain extent. Yeah, all but the he- old guys in the business. Right, but right. he but these are his three pillars. Jarrett has he said that. Yeah, Jarrett. Okay, because I don't want to quoting him has got to okay. be very detailed. But let's just say, allegedly, these are his three pillars. Um, Jerry Jarrett's mother gave him his start. Mm-hmm. He learned. He sat under the learning tree with Bill Watts. Mm-hmm. It made his name in Crockett because you know this man comes after people, and we ain't got the power to stand on top of his throat just yet. Right. So we're gonna. I'm gonna use the word loosely and respectfully. Allegedly, these are his pillars. Cause he He's, may tell you. They're if you not. speak to him, they're not. You get what I'm saying? So let's say from your perspective, you would well, say these okay, are his so, pillars. All right. So in in that sense. So looking at that, he is accustomed or was accustomed to this 
action-packed, jam-packed wrestling and the stuff that he was accustomed to doing. 40-minute headlocks. For, well, that and fights, brawls, and everything, and something that told a story. Mm-hmm. He was able to encompass that to create Smoky Mountain. Right. And he ran Smoky Mountain the way that he he saw fit, mm-hmm. and Smoky Mountain was a success until it was time for the business to close down doors, and he accepted the deal right. to come work for Vince. Mm-hmm. Well documented. Being burnt out, working amongst McMahon and Dunn and Russo and well, Patterson first he didn't like living in Connecticut. He didn't like because he's a sovereign boy. Yeah, he so does he not didn't like he living like in Connecticut. Northeast. He doesn't like the city. He yeah. doesn't like this. To me, this is where Cornette is a little bit of a bitch. Adjust your margin. Readjust the margins where okay. you can. So having it, having that being said, when he saw the opportunity to leave after the burnout to go down and help book for OVW and to turn OVW into a developmental for WWE. He was happy about that shit. He's gone on record to say so. But his rants pretty much was saying to me, like, if wrestling needed to change, it needed to change now. And if any of these folks here can't see the fact that this sport or this business has to change, then shit, I'm going to lead the charge. One way or okay, another. Okay, so I, you think he was saying that in 97? It's impossible because the business, Steve Austin was on fire. Austin was on fire. And the NWO, which he had no was, creation of, was on fire. Was on fire. So I don't see him saying that because these elements were already moving. He did four rents. Yeah, but a, he could rant about a roach running across a of table. Course. But I'm just saying, like, but he did four rants and he's and he's... And we can go back to watch these things. In fact, I'm going to go back and watch mm-hmm. it myself. I've, I've watched, I know all his rants. So I'm, I'm understanding where you're coming from. I think he was just, he's, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's what you call, a, he's an old school generational fuckboy. That's a fact. He bitches about everything. He complains about the world. He's only happy in his one state. And the only highlight of his life is the Midnight Express was great to say they weren't that great of a fucking team. But that was his mm-hmm. highlight of success. Right? Yeah. Not going to knock I that. I mean, that and the Heavenly Bodies and his right. view with but the you Rock know, and Roll Express and but, the Horsemen. But the Midnight Express, that's his dick suck forever. That's the sound of him like in the sound of sucking his own dick. And rightfully so. He had great success with them. Are they a great tag team? No. Are they a little bit outdated? They're still going now? Yeah. Should they be allowing those guys to wrestle? No. Is it nostalgic? Yes. Are the Briscoes going to fuck them up? Yeah. Are we talking about the Rock and Roll Express? The Rock and Roll the Express, Midnights, I mean. The, the Midnights, they rarely do stuff except for conventions and stuff right. like that. But, I'm and, say, that's, and that's fine. Right. So when, okay, good. So let me correct that. But this man has gone off on rants on shit he's not a part of that no one even asked him to be there for. And unfortunately, the Steve Austin success, that was Steve Austin. Right. The NWO was success, that was Bischoff. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he can rant, but he wasn't tired of the business. He was just tired of living in Connecticut. And he gained 300 pounds, like he said. He got up to 280 pounds. He couldn't take it no more. He wanted to go home. He wanted to be in the South. He wanted to do this. This is why he gets lucky to create Ohio Valley. He goes down to Ohio Valley to go run that because he says, that's my fucking out because I really can't work with Bucky the Beaver and Russo. Russo. 
He didn't mind working with Vince, but he did, he couldn't do both of these guys at the same time. More Russo than anyone. Right. So, and I and I know the rants. There's some of the most epic rants in history, and he rants once a week now. Yeah. On two different podcasts. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So is so, I give him that. But in amongst all of this, his one moment, and this is the factor, his one moment pushes. McMahon to create the Austin. Austin doesn't go to the next level without McMahon. Mm-hmm. The, Mick Foley wouldn't have helped him get that big. Right. All those other things wouldn't have happened. McMahon set it in stone and moved him forward. I, I, I agree. And I agree. The, what we get is the creation of one of the greatest hills and the most talked about moment in history. Mm-hmm. Because we have other moments that are just as great, but they're not greater than the screw job. It's the screw job and Mick Foley off the top of a fucking cage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then there are great moments in this, that, and the other. Um, and he created that. And I get what you're saying with the rants. I'm not going to f- completely disagree. But he rants about a lot of shit that he wasn't even in the room for. And that's Jim Cornette. Yeah. That man can rant. And he'll talk shit. Um, I hope he pisses on Vince Russo's grave. <laughs> I wanted to be in my will to piss on his grave because I feel as if, hey, you would love a person to piss on your grave and that would make your soul feel great. Um, with that being said, this was a good episode it number sure, 60. It sure was, man. And, and, I the, mean, and I'll say this to you guys, to you, fans, to you listeners, right? Because I was about to say the word fan. I mean, you can. We, I don't use we, the word fan, but you can. And we do have fans to this podcast. I always say that it's always good to learn about what the hell's going on. And if you want to know something, you got to go back and just peep things. Mm. You don't have to take my word for it. You can go on Viceland and you can watch this documentary about the, the Montreal Screwjob and Vince and Vince um, Cornette's, excuse me, Vince Cornette, Vince Russo and Jim, Jim Cornette's Cornette. input about the Montreal Screwjob. And I like the fact that they didn't use too much of these two going back and forth because you could have swallowed the whole documentary yeah. with their bullshit. I also like the fact that they also added in Earl Hebner's take on this and this thing. Yeah, Earl Hebner's full of shit because he sold shirts like, yeah, I screwed right. Brett and this, that, and the other. So fuck Earl Hebner. He made money off the shit on the low. Another another set of people I wish they could have talked to about this was, which I know they probably weren't ever going to do, was Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe. I'm not, you know what? Because they, those are not the two I don't want to talk to. You want to know why? Those are, those are legit yes men to McMahon. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to Sean and Brett. I mean, and Triple H. And, and also, you know who else I want to talk to? Bruce Pritchard, because he was in, he was sitting there and all that shit too. No, remember Bruce Pritchard said on his on his podcast, he recently said, he goes, they didn't smarten me up. And he goes, why didn't no one smarten me up? And he goes, if I wanted you, and Vince, he said, Vince said, if I wanted you to be in there, pal, you would have been in there. This wasn't for you. But you know who I would have loved to get their opinion of if she was alive? China, because that's one of the greatest flies on the wall. Mm-hmm. And she sat amongst trips and amongst and Sean, Sean yeah, and yeah. of this, and they was in those rooms together and all of these conversations and this, that, and the other. And I think that had been real huge. I think China knew more than anything. 
Yeah. And you would have got a good raw story out of China, straight up and down. Mm-hmm. She's the fly on the wall that got that will never get. I about to say got squatted that past that we'll never get to see. Right. But I would love to see Triple H in a non WWE capacity, truly talking about this. That's never going to happen. Right. And you never know. He might say something. But I think Trip said, "Fuck it, screw him." Vince now sits down with Vin- Russo and them and go. I got to get this belt off. And then Vince Russo comes up with the screw job. So this Montreal screw job is really the Jim Cornette Montreal screw job story. Mm-hmm. And that's just the truth. Jim Cornette, you're a madman and a genius, but we, with a shithead all in the same. But I salute you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and, as he, and, I, and I think he would respect me saying this. Go fuck yourself, Jim Cornette. But thank you, Jim Cornette. Okay. Well, thank you. Fuck you. Goodbye. I'm not a fan to you. I don't even support you. I just listen to you from time to time. Fan of none of you niggas. Ending of the show, people. Thank you very much for listening. LL Cool J Mama said knocked you out. Remix, undefeated remix. Episode 60. Dietrich Davis, Mark Morrell. Thank you.